0: Today, I wanna to talk to you about the call, the power of and. That's right, that little, I think is a conjunction, three-letter word, A-N-D, and, the power of and. Talking about a call, by the way, my wife Marguerite always teases me because she says, "Jim says, why don't you answer your phone?" She says, "You think the phone is only for calling out? That's that's all you use it for?" Well, a lot of times, like when Jesus called, he was looking for a response, just like sometimes Marguerite calls me, and she's she's looking for a response. And of course, when any whenever anyone calls, and Marguerite says, "Hey, uh, phone call," I will never take the phone call without asking at least one and probably two things. I bet you're similar. I say, number one, who is it? (laughs) You know, so you might say, if it's one of my family, one of my kids, I'm more likely to right away take it. If it's someone I kind of know, whatever, I'll go, well, who is it? So my next question is, what do they want? I tend to think the same thing when God calls us. You know, we go, well, who is that calling? Well, if it's God, hey, that's, that's someone that we probably want to take that call from. But even then, the next question becomes big. It, it becomes, what does he want? With that in mind, let me read you just a couple a couple verses in Matthew chapter 10, which is Matthew's version. It's his first time going over the names of the 12. Matthew 10.1 sounds like this. Jesus called the 12 to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, these are the guys that Jesus called to be part of of his 12. And so we kind of have some names now, at least by names we know who. But let's just take a minute and look at why. Why did Jesus call these 12? Well, if we go to the chapter right before this, we get a little bit of a... uh, clue as to why he called these guys, because chapter nine, what I read to you was the very, very beginning of chapter 10 in Matthew. Let me read to you the very, very end of Matthew chapter nine. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus was there traveling, teaching, proclaiming, and healing. Let, let, let me say that again. Jesus was traveling, teaching, proclaiming, and healing. The word there for proclaiming is very often and more commonly translated preaching. He was traveling, teaching, preaching, and healing. Someone says, well, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? The old, you, know, you know the old joke, don't you? That teaching is telling it, and preaching is yelling it. (laughs) I've always considered myself, by the way, more of a teacher preacher. I kind of start from the teaching aspect, and you know, like, for who I am, I kind of get to kick it a little bit once in a while. Don't have a whole lot of spit, scream, and shout, but a little bit. Other guys I know, man, they can preach the wallpaper off the wall by style, but sometimes when they're done, I'm kind of like, but where's the word, where's the teaching? And and then then there are guys out there that are fantastic. They can preach the wallpaper off the wall and they have something significant to say. Jesus again is traveling, teaching, preaching, and healing. What conclusion does he come to? Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to all of his followers, the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, King James says, pray ye therefore, this version says, ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. Let me go back to how I begin. Hey, who's who's calling? It's Jesus. Ooh, now I know who. What does he want? He wants me to be involved in in his work. You know, why is that? You know, before we get to the the who, we got to really understand the why. We're limited. Jesus, who could walk on water, heal the sick, the lame walk, the blind could see, he needed help. I need help. Uh, I am now 70 years old and I got to tell you while I feel great at 70, way better than I thought I would feel at 70, I have to tell you that sometimes you just wake up and things hurt that have no business hurting. Things ache and you kind of wonder where in the world does that come from? At the age I'm at now, there are certain things I used to be able to eat no problem now i have to think twice before eating that because later on my body will let me know at my age things that used to live upstairs have apparently moved downstairs i have to be real and understand there are more years behind me than there are ahead of me in fact I have to work really hard to, 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 to get what a lot of you already have, things that my kids and certainly my grandkids have. I stretch almost every day, stretching, yoga, core stuff, probably 45 minutes a day, just to feel as good as my grandkids do the second they wake up, no matter what they've been doing. And if word gets out, I do it so I can keep golfing for as long as I can. Uh, I, I eat right? I take vitamins. I'm on a little bit of medication based upon advice from my doctors. Uh, I like to stay up late, but I go to bed early. Why? Because of the limitations well, of who I am. I'm limited. I, I, I can't do everything that I used to do, much less everything that, that, that God's called me to do. I'll never forget. My grandpa Howard came home one day from a, uh, he was still working then, Um, the oldest grandkid so i remember those days Uh, he came home i think from like a kiwanis club kind of thing and i said what they talk about and i still remember what he said he said we had an extremely rich person talk to us and when he first got up there he looked at the crowd of businessmen and women and he said all of you sitting here right now are multimillionaires.'" and of course the crowd's kind of like yeah we're not like you know we're not And then he put up on an overhead, because this was back in the day before technology. So he put up on an overhead what he had spent medically to overcome some of the illnesses, life-threatening illnesses he had had just to still be there. I mean, he sits, literally spent millions of dollars back in the 1960s in order to just have what most of us take for granted. I'm trying to tell you that sometimes we need an and, we need help like Jesus did simply because, well, of who we are. With you, you might feel you're not too old. You may feel like you're too young. Uh, you may have physical or mental limitations, but the bottom line is more than that. Look at me. The assignment, watch, the assignment is bigger than me. Whatever God calls you to, I can promise you, the assignment is bigger than you. It may be very personal, it may be your ministry, it may be your assignment, but if your assignment doesn't necessitate a bunch of ands, a bunch of other people, then I'm I'm telling you, your vision is just too small. Uh, jethro at one time told moses because moses when he was leading the people of israel they'd come out of egypt And Moses was just going crazy. He was pulling his hair out. There were not enough hours in the day. Jethro said, Moses, the task is just too big for you. You need to get some ands. You need to appoint some other qualified people who can help you. Because everyone's coming to you to ask for uh, help in their lives and and in their decisions and in their disputes. You need to get some other people that can help you in judging uh, the, the people. Even Adam, have you ever read the creation account? after God creates in Genesis 1 after everything and it was good it's good it's good it's good in fact after he creates Adam he says it is very good we don't find not good until Genesis chapter 2 when God says it is not good for Adam to be alone and of course that's then why God created Eve so if it's not good for Adam if it's not good for for, for Jesus, it's not good for us. All of us need an and. In that passage I read to you, it was interesting that when uh, Matthew was listing the 12 even, he didn't just list name, comma, name, comma, name, comma. It would be like Peter and -and so-and-so, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. The list of 12 has it. everybody needs an and. In fact, Let grandpa talk to you for just a moment. Let the 70-year-old guy talk to you for just a moment. Don't just tell me what you're all about. Show me who you hang around, who are your friends, who are your, what is it called, compatriots, co-patriots, whatever. And that will sometimes shout a lot louder about who you are, where you're going, what you're going to accomplish than what you're telling me with your mouth. (laughs) I know while I I would guess that most of the demographic I'm talking to right now are probably not your teenagers, your kids, but if there are any, that's kids, Kids. that's why your parents, I, I know they drive you crazy, but that's why your parents are concerned about who you're connecting with at school, who you're hanging around, the kind of people that you're associated with, because your parents and your grandparents know that Your present and your future is is largely dependent upon the kind of people that you have around you. While I'm bringing this up, let me take a few seconds and give a commercial for faith and every church. This is why I encourage every believer to not be a lone ranger, do it alone Christian, because all of us need ands. And I know churches aren't perfect, all churches have flaws. Remember the old joke, if you ever do find a perfect church, don't you join it (laughs) because you'll ruin it. And I know churches have issues, but there's no better place to find significant, helpful ands that can help you in, in your journey. So why did Jesus call these guys? Why did even Jesus need ands? Because the assignment necessitated it. The cause than the purpose, and 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 now that we looked at that why, let's just take a little bit of a look at the who. Remember now, in Jesus's ministry, he had the crowds, the multitudes, and and, and they were just there. They liked what He was doing. They heard He could heal people. On occasion, they'd get a free lunch if they showed up. He might start multiplying stuff and they could eat for free, better than a coupon at Chick-fil-A. They they would kind of hang around like, like that to sort of see the miracles. Maybe they liked the teaching, but the crowd by and large could be very fickle. I mean, in the last week of His life, they went from one day saying, you know, Hosanna! You know man make him king to crucify him crowds can be very very fickle fickle and then out of the crowds we have disciples who were really followers the greek word for disciple by the way we get the word math from it and it actually means learners I've always liked that, by the way. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, it does not mean I'm perfect. It does not mean that I don't have flaws and issues and drama in my life because I do. Hey, I'm just a learner who's trying to follow Jesus. So out of the crowd, the next step, some people would say, hey, I like that guy. I want to follow his teachings. I I want to follow him. Then the next sort of group that Jesus would work with in, in sort of, if you want to say it, his and he would call out of the disciples he then would call certain people that we saw right now the 12. so again you have the crowd out of the crowd you have the disciples and out of the disciples jesus called the 12. then even out of the 12 there's what i like to call and many like to call the inner circle peter James, and John. There were many times like the Transfiguration, uh, when he went to pray in the garden, there were several times that Jesus didn't even take all 12. So the crowds weren't there, the disciples by and large weren't there, not even all 12 were there. Just the three, Peter, James, and John. And then out of those three, there was one that's called the Beloved. I guess we could really argue this one. If you read the Bible, you might think Peter's the closest one. But John is up there. John is the only one who was there when Jesus was on, hanging on the cross, dying. The rest, even the 12, they had all split except for John. Jesus must have felt, felt pretty close to John because while on the cross and he's about to die, he looks at John, he says, John, behold your mother. That was Jesus' mother. He's taken care of his own mom before he goes on to be with his father. And then he looks at his mother and says, mother, behold your son. How, how, how do things, how, from the crowd, to the disciples, to the 12, to the inner circle, to the one? Is it just simply a matter that God likes certain people more than others, or because He sees our hearts, all kinds of issues? I like to say it like this. and You can take this to the bank. God is willing to go as far with you as you are willing to go with Him. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to say that again. I've been teaching that for years. That may be one of the themes of my decades of ministry. God is willing to go as far with you as you are willing to go with Him. Some were willing to step out of the crowd and become a disciple. Some of the disciples were so uh, engaged and into it that Jesus called them to be closer called and part of the 12 and then part of the part of the in, in, inner circle but did you notice that Jesus never tried to force anyone we we tend to do that someone that we know would not be a good life mate whatever word you want to use spouse significant other just because we want it we try to force someone into a, a, an inner 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 circle like in a, like a marriage relationship and they don't even belong there. Jesus never did that. Jesus never tried to make people become what they're not. He he, he never tried to make Matthew one of the inner circle. Uh, he, he let people go at their own pace. He knew their hearts. He knew how far he could take them. Uh, it was by invitation, not force. Uh, because I like sports so much, one of the keys of, of being a good coach and a manager, whether you're coaching and managing li- little kids and little league or you know they used to call it Pop Warner football, I not what they call it now. We're on into high school. As far as that goes, college and the pros. One key to a successful coach and manager is not trying to force people into certain positions that they're not good at. Well, his dad's my coach and he wants to play shortstop, so I'm gonna put this kid's dad at shortstop. My, my, my grandkids call that daddy ball. There's always some kids on the team or they're playing positions maybe they shouldn't be in or they're, they're positioning position the batting order at a prestigious place. They shouldn't be batting there. No, no, no. A, a good manager knows how to position people right without forcing them. I actually learned that in the early days of faith. When, when faith was, was a young church and we were just starting to really grow and we were blowing up. I sometimes would bring on leaders just because I liked them and they seemed to like me. And you know they had a few qualities I kind of kind of like. Man, I found out within the first few years that was a mistake. I began to put people and encourage people to come on with, to, to become an and, from the crowd to the disciples to the 12 to the inner circle, to key people. Who didn't really belong there? <laughs> Have you ever gone to a business seminar and heard someone tell you, "Hey, it's easier not to fi- not to hire." I messed that up. Let me say it again. It's easier not to hire to begin with than it is to fire. And boy, is that ever true? Something else I, I noticed about Jesus: that the closer Jesus got to Calvary, the closer Jesus got to the sacrifice he would make on the cross. The closer Jesus got to his death and to fulfill his purpose for coming, the smaller the, the, uh, his, his group of, of uh, friends became. I found that true in my life too. The closer I get to what God's called me to do, I have to be more and more careful who I'm bringing along with me uh, and who is influencing me, particularly when it comes to my inner circle. Listen, I, in fact, I wrote this down, so I don't mess it up. Let me just read it to you. Everybody needs somebody. We all need an and. That's part of the reason I'm preaching this right, right now. Uh, everybody needs somebody, but you don't always need everybody. In fact, quite often, you don't need everybody. Now, Why Judas? I'm going to mention Judas a little bit this teaching and a little bit in my next teaching. Whenever the 12 are listed, they're listed differently, and sometimes their names can be slightly different. The first one is always Peter, and the last one is always Judas. And Judas uh, is always listed with a description. In other words, it's never just Judas Iscariot. It's always Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. Judas Iscariot, the one who, betr- who betrayed Jesus. Those two words there in the list, and Judas, wow. If you think about it, that's kind of sobering. It kind of turns down our hallelujah shout just a little bit. Why Judas? Judas is the one who joined, but he never really committed. Uh, He's like the kind of guy who will text to give. He'll write the check. He'll be part of the ministry, but he doesn't really want to serve. He likes the microphone, if you will. He likes that part, but he doesn't want to come to prayer time. He signed up, but he hasn't really showed up. He's interested in money more than he is interested in people. You know, it seems like there's always a... Uh, always, always, always a Judas. And as I look back over my life, both walking as a Christian and and being blessed to be a leader among God's people, to be called a pastor, a founding pastor, the church I'm speaking to right now, I'm honored to be the founding pastor of, of what was then called Faith Community Church. And as I look back over my life, sometimes over the decades, the people I poured the most into The people I encouraged went beyond the call of duty. People I would actually lose some family time when my family really needed me to go help them, empower them, promote them. Some people who I even gave a place upon the platform, not all the time, but sometimes end up, at least how I experienced it, almost being like like a Judas. At one point, I kind of felt like, remember the old saying, this is not a Bible verse, by the way, But do you remember the old saying, no good deed goes unpunished? Because it feels, sometimes it can feel like, man, people that help that much, now whatever, they get upset, they get mad, something happens, whether it's at me, other people in the church, whatever, maybe their own life is blowing up. And then they leave, and they not only leave, they want to just, you know, talk bad about you and, and tear you down. You just feel like you're being stabbed in the back after all of that. By the way, lest I forget to say this, God never lets me at any level defend myself. I'll never forget when one time I was upset and I think that movie Austin Powers was out. It was Austin Powers, Mike Myers, and there was a line in there that God used. Can God speak through movies? Well, He did with me. There was one line in there that went www.zipit.com because I was like, man, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, and I felt Holy Spirit said www.zipit.com. Everything in me just wanted to <laughs> wanted to shout, and you know, we all know we all know Judases that can mess up. Our, our walk with God. We all know people who won't even come to church because of a Judas. Uh, people sometimes assume all Christians are like that. Just recently, I saw in the news there was some pastor on the East Coast, who uh, during the church service, because the guy has all kinds of bling, he just had, oh man, he probably only has 15 people in his church, but he dresses like he's a pastor evangelist to millions. And he actually got, and I know people look at that, have people on the golfers tell me, ah, oh, pastors, they're just after money, they're just after this. People tend to judge everything based on an experience that's not true of all Christians. Don't let your encounters with Judas make you assume that everyone else is like that. Peter wasn't perfect, but he wasn't Judas. Thomas doubted, but he wasn't Judas. And I promise you, there's lots of good people. Well, why why is Judas even there in the first place? Why, why wasn't he kicked off? Uh, you know, in fact, Luke tells us that before Jesus named the twelve, he spent all night in prayer. Let me repeat. Before Jesus called and named the twelve, he spent all night in prayer. And when we pray, why are we praying before we have to make a tough decision? Because we want to have the heart of God. We want what we do to be aligned with God's will. So why did Judas get in there? Sometimes God's purpose just looks different to us. Just because something doesn't fit my agenda, doesn't mean that it does not fit God's agenda. This is a long way of saying that, we know this, God used Judas. Even, even a backstabbing betrayer like Judas, God used Judas to push Jesus towards his destiny. It set the stage for the crucifixion in which he died for our sins, which sets the stage for the resurrection in which Jesus conquers death. God used Judas to fulfill purpose. And look at me, God will use people in our life as painful as it is as irritating as it is god will use people like that to push us towards our purpose as well Uh, as I would teach leaders over the years i would very often tell them that one of the keys to longevity one of the keys to making it in the ministry as far as that goes to making it in life is to develop thick skin but keep a tender heart Because whenever you work with people, and in the ministry and in life, you have to work with a lot of people, you're going to get hurt, period. And so one response you can be, oh man, people get thin-skinned and you're going to get your heart destroyed and broken, or to survive, and I've seen pastors and leaders do this, you can just develop develop a hard heart, and you may hide it, but deep down, you don't even care that much anymore. So that, that's a challenge, because God's going to use Judas to push us towards our purpose. So let's have some thick skin, not take things so personal if it's possible, but keep a tender heart. Keep loving people and keep on loving God. See, Judas, and the Judases in our lives are the ones that very often drive us to pray, drive us to seek God ask for strength. Maybe they get us to open up our Bibles again after quite a while. Can't any of you look back over your life? And and I bet you can. And in hindsight, not at the time, but in hindsight, you thank God for the Judases in in your life. You go, thank God she lied on me. Thank God he betrayed me. You know, thank God she broke my heart. Thank God I got laid off because of that jerk man at the time it was being backstabbed and you were betrayed but god used that to push you towards your purpose god is so much god that he can work bad and even evil things for my good god is so much god that he can even work through and around a judas and finally let me let you, let me remind you that judas no matter how much they may hurt us judas is never greater than God's plan for my life. I may have to deal with a little bit of Judas, but I can't forget that I got a whole lot of God. God can perfect me. God can perfect us with something that doesn't please us. I I close with this. I was talking about this just the other day. Somehow this has come up several times in the last week. But on my mom's side, her parents, I called them Grammy and Granddad, they were from the South, they were from Oklahoma. And both of them, my granddad, he had, had a cafe, home cook cafe there in a little town called Medill, Oklahoma, before they moved out for the golden, back in the golden days of California. And uh, so they, bottom line, they could both cook. Both my Grammy and my Granddad were great cooks, but they cooked Southern comfort. You might expect coming from the South, coming from Oklahoma, yeah, and it was phenomenal. One of the dishes I can remember is that after we'd had breakfast, ooh, Southern breakfast, or actually while we were having breakfast, he'd cooked the bacon and maybe even been some sausage, and that bacon grease and that sausage grease is nasty. It, it is nasty. But you know what my granddad could do with that? He would show me. He would start to add a little bit of this to that, a little bit of flour, a little bit of this, and create, I think it was called a roux. And uh, even the roux looked kind of nasty. But by the time he was done, it was the best breakfast country gravy I have ever had by far. That's exactly. What God can do in our experiences in life, even when we have to deal with tough people, people that have hurt us, people that we feel have betrayed us, backstabbed us, people that we feel like we poured our lives into helping them, to helping. In fact, we might think their whole career would not exist were it not for me. And yet, what do you get in response? Nothing but betrayal. Listen, God can keep driving you towards your purpose and can even use that to drive you towards his perfect plan and perfect will towards his life.